0: You're doing well, Duchess. Push. Baby's nearly there.
1: Push. Ah, 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 that's it, Kate. Ah, one's doing fine. Ah, Will breathe. In the royal. Ah, that's <laughs> a <it>. pink <ping-pong laughs> baby. Hang on, hang on. Farida, I've got this. It might help <gasps> slightly. Oh dear. Ooh. What? What? Um. What? Um. One's given, given birth, birth to the head, head of, of birth birth to Pertwee. Oh God. God you mm-hmm. Got up
2: in smoke. Yeah. I think this
1: is more of the Staggering Stories
3: broadcast from the Tower. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> anyway, welcome, 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 dear listeners, broadcasting this from the Tower of London. It's this, the latest Staggering Stories podcast. Yay! <laughs> anyway, I'm Crumbly. I'm Adam. I'm Jean. And I, yes, I. Do you are not
2: mean to insult you? And considering fake Keith isn't here, well, well, I, I, I am just normal
0: know? Keith,
1: you know. So okay. I can't be real Keith without fake. So I'm really? just Keith. Just yeah. Keith. Uh, plain, unvarnished. The truth. So tonight, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen,
2: Mm. I'll be your token female. (laughs) Probably token being the opposite.
3: (laughs) Anyway, without further ado, with his feet up in the stirrup, showing the information for all the world to see, this is The News with El Presidente. Woo!
0: Doctor Who news! Oh, Ooh, okay. <laughs> anniversary special gets longer. Ooh. You're bragging again, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> for many months now, the duration of the Doctor Who 50th anniversary special was thought to be known to be 60 minutes. Ooh. Ooh. That was a fact published by BBC Worldwide back in January.
2: What's a BBC Worldwide? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well,
0: apparently, many fans weren't happy that It is no longer than an average Christmas special and were instead hoping for something closer to the running time of the 20th anniversary special, yep. 90 minutes, mm-hmm. which in turn was roughly equal to a normal 4. parter without reprises and credits Mm -hmm. such as a 10th anniversary special of three doctors don't despair length fans no. <laughs> Stephen Moffat the vast toffee Amen. has heard your cry for more <laughs> and is willing to extend it just for you <laughs> I'm sure he is <laughs> yeah. Either that or BBC Worldwide is wrong or perhaps this ended up filming a lot more than they intended because what Moffat
3: now says is It's a f- special episode I think you could call it movie length Yeah, I mean I'm saying that with a slight hint of vagueness because I don't know the finished running time It certainly went over an hour uh. Moffat seems to be on a length obsession right now.
0: It's also commented on the shortness of Matt Smith's hair these days as implications for Smith's final story
3: at Christmas. Oh. Has he not
2: heard of wigs? <laughs>
3: <laughs> However we affect it, the Doctor will turn up with his trademark quaff. You can't have Matt's last stand... Back to length again. <laughs> <laughs> in the TARDIS, for his proper look. So, thank you, Ryan Gosling. <laughs>
2: so, who's Ryan Gosling to get such mm. an extreme mm. thank you?
0: Ah, Matt Smith went off to do a film with Ryan yeah. Gosling and got uh, his hair shaved, shaved for that. Sure. It's not
2: going to take him that long to grow it. He's
0: got a month and it's looking pretty short as of yesterday when yeah. I saw him. Well, stand him in some compost or whatever. Yeah, it's going to have to be a wig, I'm afraid. Mm, I do.
2: If it was good enough for the first doctor, it's good enough <laughs> for him. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> he has worn a wig before, in fact, in um, Wedding River song he wore wig for a fair bit of that oh yeah his yeah. hair was maybe longer yeah i hair, couldn't yeah. tell yeah, yeah okay.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's news to me though. arrow about to be summer glowed t- t- to death <laughs> you sound like a hiccup
1: fans of the dc superhero tv series arrow should be prepared oh. for Imminent cancellation. mm -hmm. Yes, Summer Glau is to join the series. Mm. (laughs) Glau has famously seen out premature cancellation of TV series of Firefly, Terminator, Sarah Connor Chronicles, Dollhouse, The Cape and Alpha's. It's if she is the kiss of death, then no doubt there are worse ways to go. (laughs) Glau is set to have a recurring role in season two, playing some corporate type named Isabel Ro- Rochev I think that's how you pronounce something it. like that
3: Yeah, Rochev
1: Rochev
0: I have to
2: say I did like how I, when it started but it's turned a bit into Lost where there seems to be more time spent reprising bits and pieces oh, and oh really, really. No. It's no. Just, flashbacks yeah and it's just kind of Got a little bit stale very very quickly.
0: Mm. Mm. Okay, oh, got yes. quite a good cast, isn't it? It's got yeah. Uh, River Song was her name. Kingston, yeah. Yes. Alex, yeah. Kingston's uh,
2: his mum. And Barrowman. Barrowman! Yeah, the villain's wife and that kind of. Oh, I mean, it's a good cast and it is well acted at points, but <laughs> it just kind of seems to be not yeah. going anywhere and going there really slowly.
0: Common problem with him trying to do twenty two a year. Yeah. Yeah.
2: League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. The TV series Talking of cancelled TV series Fan favourite US TV network Fox Have ordered a TV pilot based on Alan Moore's comic book series The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen Mm. The original comic takes place in 1898 in a fictional world where all the characters and events from Victorian literature coexist And several are brought together to save the world of at least late 19th century Britain <laughs> Characters include Alan Quatermain, Captain Nemo, Dr Jekyll and Mr Hyde of course mm. The in- Invisible Man aka Hawley Griffin and Mina Murray of Dracula fame. There is no Tom Sawyer <laughs> character, despite Hollywood putting him in for their 2003 film adaption. Alan Moore famously hated this film. <laughs> oh, I quite liked it.
1: Um, can yeah. I just make a case in point? Alan Moore famously hey, hates all the films every of film work. Yeah, on that's true.
0: Yeah, true.
2: Probably, that. If, if he liked it, does that mean it's not a good film?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Probably, I don't
2: know. It remains to be seen how faithful the TV series will be. Hollywood seemingly cannot help but Americanise anything it touches. But <laughs> Steampunk Pans...
3: Pants. <laughs> Steampunk Pans?
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. yeah. Okay. okay. The musical okay. version of Steampunk. <laughs> steam <punk. laughs>
2: <Do-da-do-do-do-do. That's not laughs> but Steampunk fans will no doubt be crossing their fingers, yes I am, <laughs> while we all wait to see how this pilot turns out.
4: Ooh. Mm. Yeah.
2: That would be interesting. I the way they can do the special effects and that now, you could probably get a lot more out of it than the
1: film version. Yeah. yeah. The film version is a guilty pleasure. Yes, I know it is bad. Yes, I know <laughs> it's... But I still enjoy mm. watching it.
3: Mind you, yeah. I wonder, will they have the infamous scene where uh, the invisible man is indulging himself in a convent school? Yes. <laughs> That's how they find him, yeah. Yes. Probably not. don't no. no, no, no. <laughs> know.
1: I... But I think Alan Moore will hate this. Almost uh, uh, certainly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The last thing is, I mean, in, in the, I don't know about in the comic, but in the film, very much Mr. Hyde was almost the Incredible Hulk yeah. rather than, because he, yeah. he was so mm. out of scale.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. In the film, he I, did grow massively, didn't yeah. he? So I think yeah. in, the, in the comic book, it was, if I remember rightly, he was illustrated as this sort of massive gorilla. Type, yeah, he's yeah, more like gorilla like, right? yeah. yeah, the hunchback
2: yeah. of Notre Dame. It's yeah. you know, incredible. Yeah. I have an addendum.
1: Ooh, you have ooh. an addendum? Mm. What is your addendum? Well,
2: this isn't this not so much an addendum, this is more to make everyone in the UK and every other part of America other than Texas and the Alamo really, really dead, jealous. <laughs>
4: mm-hmm.
2: I had a conversation with my brother who lives in the United States of America, mm, yes. they have cinemas over there like we do, you know, the electricity's got over there. And one of them...
3: Movie theatres, I believe the term is. Movie houses.
2: Ah. One of them, which is called the Alamo Drafthouse Cinema, and apparently Mm. there's another one in Texas, show these TV programmes (laughs) on a big screen (laughs) Uh called Doctor Who, and not always just the news stuff. Oh, really? They're actually getting the programmes, I mean, even the the news stuff as well, they're actually getting screenings on full size, like the BFI... As was mm. a fairly regular event. Nice. Mm. So how uh, they
0: arrange that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch.
2: So if you're out there in America, check to see, because it might be small provincial cinemas that are doing this via the BBC, and it's all pucker and above board. And why isn't it happening over here? Yeah, why yeah. didn't they work out with Cineworld to screen the BFI screenings across the nation in yeah. Cineworld no. like they do or with even, other stuff or, or, or even
1: as we've just had the proms. Yeah. Yes. know yeah, they could have done that on the, on the this, this big screen. Yeah.
2: So it's kind of an addendum to say this is going on and check it out, but it was also a little rant about why do they get it and we don't.
0: Mm. <laughs> well rumours <laughs> have it that they are looking to do a deal to have the anniversary special in Cinma's ah. simulcast. Yeah, because mm. that's that's when twenty third of November. Th-
1: 3D, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: yes. It's apparently it's going to be the last. 3D. Yeah, I was, I was, that's, that's
1: one of my addendums. Oh. The, BBC, yep. the BBC are shutting down their 3D department due yep. to lack of interest. Yep. Nobody wants to watch 3D at home. None. No, it's true. Nobody actually yeah. wants to watch 3D at the cinema, but we won't go into <laughs> that Well,
0: here. a few people, but, but yeah, yeah, it's definitely falling back even at the cinema. Yeah, uh, it's a lack of interest. It's, an, it's yeah. Uh, I was looking at TVs. Oh, in fact, I was in uh, Florida a few weeks back course, yeah. for, the, for the wedding. Drop him, And went into Best Buy, and they yeah. had massive TVs, and they're up to about ninety inches, something massive. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. and, silly uh, sizes. Yep. Yeah, really crazy. And I didn't see a single thing saying it was advertising it's 3D. Yeah. Of all them dead. Their- yeah top end TVs well, none if, so if you, I think a lot of them do them but they're embarrassed to even say they do
1: yeah, them well, yeah. I saying, if you think of the logistics of it how many times do you lose your remote control yeah. imagine how many times you're going to lose those glasses
2: well they're also n- yeah. not that cheap so you know one, if, like, when, when the 50th episode is on there is a chance that there is going to be households that consist of one or two people that are suddenly going to find there's like ten people sitting around because there's like going to be yeah. several who parties everywhere mm-hmm. now if you have a 3D are you going to go out and buy an extra eight <laughs> pairs of 3 d D-specs because they're like twenty five thirty pound each, and there's a sweet spot if you go yeah. too far left either of the side line, of it. And, it and most definite. people have a couch in front and a couch down the side and that kind of stuff. And yeah, and practical things. A lot of people watch TV while they read the paper, do the ironing. Yeah. There are times when you will sit down and dedicatedly watch the TV. Yeah but mm. quite often something it's, it's something, <laughs> yeah, or a film or something like that, but quite often it's something that's in and out of the consciousness. And I think the other thing with 3D is, after a while, your brain switches off to it. Yeah. I have, mm. must admit, I've noticed mm. you're sort of like, oh yeah, oh yeah, that is in 3D.
1: Well, as I said, uh, case well, they in do point, the tricks
0: poking you in the eye, they yeah. don't yeah.
1: really yeah. notice. Case in point <laughs> is the last Star Trek film, Into the Darkness. Yeah. Saw that in 2D, then I specifically went to see the 3D version to see how it was different, yeah. and what's the... And after the first chase sequence in the teaser, yep. I forgot to look out for the 3D, because I was watching the film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it doesn't... No. It was no different. didn't affect me. Anyway, no. moving on. I mm. have another... Do you have anything? I have an addendum. You yes. have an addendum. Ooh, okay. yeah.
3: A humorous addendum. What is your humorous addendum? Well, it's in two parts, really. In, in that font of all knowledge, the oh, that... <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's still going... <laughs> <laughs> Well, it has been for the past hundred years or so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's news of the world, they got rid of that soon <laughs> <laughs> Yes, apparently it has been revealed that one Prince Charles is a something of a Doctor Who fan. Ooh. Oh, OK. Mm, yes. I think we knew his mother was.
1: Yes. I was, well, she had the DVDs of the Eccleston's first season rushed round to the palace. Mm. Oh, that I did not know. When, it, when it first, As soon as it came out, it was express delivered to the palace. Mm. Oh.
0: yeah, <laughs> Yes, and... Um, she had a thing for
1: Eccleston.
2: Who's <laughs> this, <laughs> the Queen Mother?
0: No, the, the Queen. The, the queen. queen. The Queen. Yeah. The Queen
2: has gone up in my estimations greatly. <laughs> <but> <laughs> <laughs> I always liked the woman anyway, yes. but, you know... She was uh, in her
3: bunk. mm <laughs> <laughs> the Demon. resident cartoonist uh, Mac, otherwise known as Stan McMurty, he produced a rather amusing cartoon to the effect of, with all the events that are going on out in Egypt, with their uh, President Morsi being deposed and things yes. like that. Mm-hmm. The cartoonist decided. Yeah, to um, tie in the two events, Prince Charles and the, the deposing of uh, President Morsi, there's the Queen and Prince Philip reading newspapers about the, you know, sort of the aforementioned president being deposed, and in the background, the door's are being opened by the footmen in the palace, and Prince Charles is walking in, leading a squadron of Daleks behind him. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Mm. Mm. I have
1: two more addendums. Ooh, wow. Mm.
3: It's
0: a night for yeah, tonight. It's a
1: night for a night for addendums. Apparently, over in California, a certain mm. Eric Hodgegood has had to <laughs> hand over 10,000 or $10,000 worth of Star Wars merchandising oh. to the oh. California state to try to offset his Two million
0: dollar fraud. No, oh. very far towards is it. Well, uh, $2, uh,
1: read, $2 reading down, reading down this, it's. It's, it's it all seven? Jar Jar
3: Bink stuff. Yeah. <laughs> want possibly, of it. possibly. Yeah, no, nobody wants. <laughs> uh, he's given
1: up two cars, two houses, retirement savings, mm. and a considerable number of Star Wars toys and comics to get his sentence lowered
3: by nine years. <laughs> That's probably worthwhile. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yep. there again, I mean, he's still very much a guest of the state of California. Oh, he's so, still, yeah. yeah, he
1: still is a guest, but it's, he's <laughs> going to be nine years has been taken off his sentence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It depends who he's, who he's locked in a cell with. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Don't tense up, it's the most natural <laughs> thing in the world. You're my
0: puppy dog now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> my third and final. Jabber the heart. <laughs> my third and final addendum mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Matt Smith's shed. 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 Okay. Well, Matt Smith's car that is called The Shed. <laughs> right, it's okay. Has yes. gone up for sale on eBay for charity.
0: Did know he could drive? But
1: by the time. Oh, mm. no, it was mentioned once in a Top Gear episode. Oh, he did he, drive in Top oh, Gear. Yeah, when yeah. he was a reasonably priced yeah. a star in a reasonably priced car. But it, it was mentioned as The Shed then and it has gone up for auction on ebay for charity didn't he say he gave it to his sister i forget what he, how he mentioned that it's he may have done during that interview but it yep. is now mm-hmm. it is, as we record this it is actually up on ebay
0: okay mm. Mm. so
1: by the time you listened it's probably
0: been sold, sold. and gone yeah, I but Expect so, but some exhaustive price huh? yeah if yes, a, a car that Matt Smith owned, probably it, third hand by the time he got <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> you can afford it. a decent car now, biz. He
1: yeah, can. Well, it's <laughs> probably got a. a well, drive driving American now. Prius, Priuses? Prius, yeah. Prius. Thank you, Prius. Yeah. The the hybrid.
2: It's Prius uh, or Prius, depending yes. On, yes. on where
1: you come
3: well, yeah. from. Yes. Tesla, maybe.
2: Uh, Tesla. Yeah, oh, oh, yes.
3: oh, yeah. A Ford Edsel. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Quite a doozworthy story episode. Yes. Mm, Any
1: more? No. 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 Going once. Well, going twice. Gone, we're all addendumed out. My lords, ladies and gentlemen, we are gathered here for the most heinous crime of misrepresentation oh. the accused one tomb. Of the Cybermen, mm-hmm. a second Doctor parody or, or televisual broadcast, for many years went missing. Over that time, it managed to weave the reputation of being a superlative piece of television, a sublime building of set, and... An exciting, majestic piece of television. And then pops out. And, and, and what do we have? Threadless, wobbly sets and people wandering around in fetish gear. I accuse this programme of misrepresentation, my lord. And I recommend the worst sentence possible.
2: I'll oh, let you defend. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's got me going at fetishki. <laughs> Face the hinds of fetishki. I'm off on my own here.
1: What really <laughs> awesome. so are you even referring that's to? attack, Disturb <laughs> the opposition.
3: Yeah. I'm a pervert the opposition. <laughs>
0: Fetish gay, you say? <laughs> <laughs> what did we have here? We had the doctor in his normal outfit, Jamie in his normal outfit, Victoria in a fairly modest outfit, the uh, archaeologists in traditional archaeologist outfit, the astronauts in jumpsuities sort of things, and uh, pretty normal Middle Eastern sort of clothes for the uh, the sponsors of the uh, expedition. Where's the fetish in this?
1: If I may point out, the Cybermen wandered around in spray-silted <laughs> diver suits. Rubber!
0: Rubber suits! <laughs> No, no, I believe there were fabric in this story. <laughs> <laughs> you may be thinking of the invasion. <laughs>
2: and if it was,
1: Robert, it was merely to insulate against <laughs> the cold. <laughs> also, my lord, I have to point out the actual tomb itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. The handholds, the cabinets... It was a health and safety nightmare! Was there any rungs down those ladders? No there wasn't. Where was the health and safety harnesses to make sure no one fell off of these these towering chandeliers of of doom? If you're a Cyberman that couldn't climb down
2: a ladder, I think they have it their own version of Darwin. You're not going to take over the universe if you can't manage a stair. So it was a good way of weeding out the weaker, lesser suitable Cybermen to take over the universe.
0: Very much so. And any invaders? Plenty of traps for them, including the uh, aforementioned uh, rungless uh, ladders.
1: (laughs) Health and safety nightmare. You get human
0: resources in there
1: that haven't filled them.
2: (laughs) Yes, the Cybermen would simply reconstitute their
1: mind. (laughs) Also, I must point out to the task of the cyber voices. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This dull, monotone buzz that takes you... Five times to listen to the, actually what they're actually saying before you can understand what they said. Now, previously, we had the um, the speak and spell Stephen Hawkins, which was perfectly understandable. You could understand. And it was a nice little sing-song. You could pl- uh, sing-song tune to
0: the voice and you could play along was perhaps you would prefer the emotional Cybermen of the 80s. <laughs> 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 ah.
1: excellent. Ah. And, uh, <laughs> At least you could understand <laughs> what they were saying.
2: You can understand these Cybermen perfectly well. You obviously don't know the tune. <laughs>
1: <laughs> OK, OK. We have to go back to the first actual crime that was permitted against them. The fact that this has been for a long time held in revere of one of the superior Troughton shows. Indeed it is. Yes. Well-built sets. Yes. yes. Dramatic action. Yes. And superior fight scenes. Well,
0: may I, I, may <laughs> I draw
1: your attention to... What What was the the uh, slave name? Toberman? Mm-hmm. Tobin lifting up a Cyberman over his head and throwing him against the wall. You could see the strings! The man was obviously
0: throwing around a dummy! No, no, that was uh, the health and safety. Those strings, the string (laughs) is back. The thing is, is, it came down automatically. It's all part of the cyber. (laughs) I,
1: I, I have to point out that that it was held in great revere and joy until it was rediscovered and seen, and then very discreetly, fandom seemed to back away from the tomb of the Cybermen. Oh Uh, no, 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 no.
0: I would if I could. I would bring Matt Smith to the uh, to the doc. But to, uh...
2: I second that decision.
0: <laughs> to give him or just... to bring him or not to bring him? <laughs>
2: no, I'd bring him to the doc not... <laughs> for totally different reasons.
0: For <laughs> he cites this as his favourite classic Doctor Who story, and it has informed his entire time on the series.
2: And when it came to the selection of a Doctor Who episode for the recent BFI screening, for one, said Pat This was the
1: story that was chosen? Um, objection. This was the story that was chosen, because this is the only story that virtually exists in the library. All the rest have been wiped. No, no,
2: there are other episodes that retains completely of Pat like the faceless
0: ones. The invasion. Yeah, as we were saying. (laughs) (laughs) Or that ice warrior one, uh,
1: Seas of Death. Well, I think the reason's shame is because... The two you have pointed out Mm -hmm. are over eight episodes each, and the audience would be Mm -hmm. needing to have catheters
0: (laughs) fitted to actually sit there and watch the thing. (laughs) Did they do a six-parter? I think they did a six-parter for the third Doctor, didn't they? (laughs) Yeah. And they
1: did have catheters (laughs)
0: fitted. (laughs) We did have two breaks. Um...
1: Uh, All in all, I think the most serious crime of this show is not living up to its reputation. It was deliberately... Removed itself from the public <laughs> eye and and inflated its reputation I, on the family I forms.
2: demand the defense I demand we get a chance to defend ourselves. Mm-hmm. please do
1: please do okay. I, I leave the floor open to my learned uh, colleagues <laughs> <laughs> or the one with the notes
0: uh, okay. <laughs> okay. let 's start at the beginning then. This is a doctor who does not kidnap his companions, but he brings them with him. Victoria has lost her father, she has no family left in trauma he brings her along he nurtures her Mm. (laughs) yes for what purpose (laughs) no none of that if anything he grabs Jamie's hand (laughs) (laughs) frequently And it's a doctor who has a sense to arrive after the first death happens. (laughs) So rather than be accused of it, he can be there to help. Mm.
2: In defence of the uh, quote of the wobbly sets, (laughs) this had a fine set. There was no wobblage anywhere. Even in the costumes!
0: <laughs> a little bit of Victorian.
2: No, that was more screaming and skirt-lifting. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you're <laughs> Skirt-lifter. That dress was very, very short for a Victorian lady.
0: Also, in this story, the Doctor shows great use of psychology. For example, Cleeg trying to work out how to open the, uh, the hatch down. He helps him a little bit, but when he isn't looking, he actually pulls the right lever, so Cleeg doesn't know how to do it again but does let them down. Does a control the situation, yet pretends he is not.
2: Also, unlike a number of the stories of the same time period and Pat Troughton, this had a fairly small cast, and the story had a sense of purpose from beginning to end. You had the Cyberman element, but you also had the underlying story of espionage and trying to misuse them for their own purposes. So it was quite an intelligent story. Mm. Unlike some that you do kind of wonder what the whole point of the <laughs> idea of the episode
0: was. Yeah, and again, it, the Doctor shown in good light here because he immediately recognises the fact that uh, Kaftan was the one who trapped Victoria in the in the revitalisation chamber. He sees that from off, and Toberman having damaged the spacecraft. He keeps on them and he makes them know that he knows. Oh.
2: And I would also... A test Cybermat. (laughs) Who could not like a story with (laughs) Cybermats?
0: Yeah, their introduction indeed.
2: It was their yes, their first scene.
0: Even they were in two different sizes.
2: You know, you need to have one different for every cyber maps. Yeah, yes. Different terrains and different purposes.
0: And it's very educational, too. The entire tomb was designed based on Egyptian mythology and Egyptian tombs. Yes. And you had the whole logic area of binary logic and ore gates, things like that, which at the time new ideas to many people but very educational which is Doctor Who's remit back then.
2: It also introduced from the science fiction point of view a little bit of backstory to the Cybermen or more introduction to them in the testing room of the armaments which we know the Cybermen had guns but Never before thought how these are developed, so they obviously have scientific levels to their society, and mm-hmm. they try out the weapons.
1: Rather remiss of them to leave them lying around, though, wasn't it? They weren't expecting <laughs> to have to. It was their <laughs> um, their place. Yeah, but um, the whole place is set out as a trap. Mm-hmm. So you're expecting people in there. Yes, so the idea was, as
2: did happen, that the stupid idiots that break in end up falling foul of your <laughs> trap and one of them had his little guts blown out by the gun.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> indeed. Also, back on to the Doctor in this one, he tells of his special technique, mm-hmm. which is, of course, to keep his eyes open and his mouth shut, which is a, a fine motto for us all to live by, I think. Some of them live by it here.
2: <laughs> it had a, It had a good balance of action and adventure, Mm-hmm. Intellect, plot, and character development, none of the characters were bland; mm-hmm. they all had their own identifiable characters which are different. There was no once we got rid of the first two crewmen, there were no red shirts within the main cast of characters
0: no and very complicated situation. You had these different groups. you had the doctor, Jamie and Victoria, of course, Cleague and Kaftan, pilots of the uh, the ship, you had the archaeologists, all these different groups their different interactions. Very clever bit of scripting. (laughs) And also, at the end, the Doctor does not try to kill the Cybermen. He merely entombs them forever. This is not a Doctor, unlike the first Doctor, who would
3: happily kill. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen of the... um, uh, Podcast. Thank you. (coughs) I must turn to you, because I like it better that way. (laughs) (laughs) I turn to the prosecution. You present a very interesting case. I can't do it like this
2: (laughs) It's too hot
3: You present a very interesting case regards the fetish wear (laughs) Thank you my lord Yes, my favourite club (laughs) (laughs) Not now my lord, The, the case Oh yes As you say, the fetish wear, it presents a very limited and very, well, you would say confining way of sort of dressing the main adversary for these episodes. As for your argument concerning the steps and the rungs and the safety hazard they prove, that is a very convincing argument. Yes, strings and throwing Cybermen. Yes, I would say that is a homage to the rather... Limited special effects that were prevalent back in those days. And as for the eight episodes of inventing bladders and catheters, yes, I would have to say eight episodes of running down corridors. Yes, that would be enough to try the sternest constitution. <laughs> as the wobblage. <laughs> You've not said you would never mention that in public. <laughs> yes.
2: I've got a sports bra on.
3: <laughs> as you say, very distracting and in the rather more um, uninhibited times that could prove rather detrimental to the youth of that time. Anyway, I turn to the defence now. You two pose a very interesting case for the defence. Health and safety, as we all know, was very lax back in those days. But there again, it was the norm. Mm. As for the Doctor and Jamie wearing his kilt, <laughs> yes, that was very much, the, I would say, the props <laughs> and the... Sp- She's gone. Somebody get a it. <laughs> <laughs> it is rather hot in here. <laughs>
2: it just got hotter. You said the word Jamie and killed.
3: <laughs> and also, you present a very interesting case for the tombs designed on binary and Egyptian themes. As mm. you say, themes. Yes, especially the binary themes, which become well, as you say, very trend-setting for that, especially for that decade mm. where computers were starting to come to the fore. The modulated voices. Well. That is very much a moot point, as I say, as so we're going, well, fitting yeah, with, you know, with the period in which the episode was broadcast and recorded. In summing up, the prosecution and the defence, both they both presented very credible arguments. Mm. However, I must find in in favour of the defence, because it was a pivotal episode, the Cybermat's first appearance, and Matt Smith's favourite episode. Mm. Thank you, Marwan. If I just
0: add, uh, being on the winning team here, (laughs) in general, the second Doctor gave us many things. He is the Doctor that all future Doctors will be based on, rather than the first Doctor. His companions are from different times to modern day. Jamie, of course, and Victoria from the past, Zoe from the future, which is something which they seem not to want to do nowadays. They're afraid that they won't be able to bring the audience on side, but they could back then. And also, we should mention particularly Jamie and maybe Zoe, particularly strong characters as uh, companions. Zoe, probably the first modern female companion. She was smart, a smarter doctor. She could uh, put up a good fight. She knew a bit of kung fu, etc. People say that Sarah Jane was the first liberated female companion, but I would suggest actually it was Zoe. Mm, Second doctor, pivotal moment. And, of course, had Patrick Troughton failed... We've not been talking about dog two now. Too Mm. true? Too true.
3: Very true, yes.
1: Actually, I quite like tomb with this (laughs) (laughs) item
2: We have a new game for us to play. Ooh,
0: Ooh, Ooh. a a game? Yes.
2: There will be some of you, probably only people in Britain, who may have seen a BBC Three, I believe it is, program called Only Connect.
0: ah uh-huh. Never seen it,
2: Wonderful quiz show. It's the kind of quiz show that people from Open University and Mastermind go <laughs> on and lose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <you> must... yeah. <laughs> now, there are three... There are four rounds to this, but one we can't do, because that involves batching pictures. There,
4: describe it. Yes, <laughs>
2: describe it. But there are three rounds, and I was going to take us through the first first of our rounds, which is usually the last of the show, Mm -hmm. which is called the Missing Vowels Round. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Now, I'll give you an example. If they said a character from a well-known British TV series, and the letters they gave you were THDCTR, you would say...
3: The Doctor. Yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I have four Doctor Who titles. Ooh, okay. Okay, and the first one is... So there's no vowels in no
1: these. No vowels. Mm-hmm.
2: T-H-H-G-H-L-N-D-R-S. Mm-hmm.
1: Probably need to write this down. Yeah. Mm. Yes.
2: <laughs> ah, no, the contestants don't normally get to oh, write it down. So but yes, no. oh, yes you can write it down. <laughs>
0: Thank <but> you. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> The Highlanders
2: Yay Ooh,
3: blah, blah. Wouldn't I, I wouldn't have known that one
2: <laughs> Are we ready? I'm ready mm-hmm. now yep. Yes Okay. D-L-K Dalek <laughs> Yay
1: <Yes. laughs> I don't like this game <laughs> I don't like this game
2: <laughs> T-H-L-V-N-T-H-U-R
0: 11th hour <laughs> 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 okay,
2: One last one Th mb ss
0: Tick.
2: Eddie takers?
0: No, not you seen that one.
2: The ambassadors uh, of death. Uh, <laughs> I, I was thinking uh, something yes. of death. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's a Doctor Who title. It's going to be death in there somewhere. Ninety-five <laughs> yeah, yeah. percent <95% laughs> or
3: doom. <laughs> yeah, mm, yeah.
2: So the winner of that little introductory round is Adam with two,
3: yeah.
2: Crumbly with one, and the host with one. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Now, for some time, listeners, you will have noticed that, apart from being a Doctor Who fan and a Morris dancer... One, two, three, one, two, three, one... (laughs) Sorry. Yes, I hope you can see that stare through your MP3 (laughs) (laughs) plan. I got
1: got a look. (laughs) A look that says, shut up or you're dead. (laughs) Yes.
2: I also quite like steampunk. Now, it turns out within our mists... There is someone in our gathering that also knows something about cyberpunk. Ah. Hello. So we're not going to have a crown called because we can't have nope. two in one go. Okay.
3: Well, more of a heated discussion. I think
1: but so. it should be steampunk. Cyberpunk SmackDown! Mm. This is the point where we all do the
2: bit fight music from (laughs) Star (laughs) Trek. Would you like to start, sir, or shall I?
3: (laughs) Ladies first. Mm -hmm.
2: Steampunk. Mm -hmm. Well, the name was coined in about 1987 in um, reference to characters of the book and relation to a book called Infernal Devices. And realistically, it'd been around since
3: Jules Verne. Mm. Well, that's very true. Jules Verne, H.G. Wells.
2: The whole idea, for those of you that don't know steampunk, is that Victorian age, Industrial Revolution... Tesla, all Babbage. those, Babbage, that kind, Babbage, yeah. kind of thing had been developed. And then imagine that society moved forward, but we never invented the silicon chip. Mm-hmm. We never invented micro technology. Mm-hmm. Everything continued along that. Victorian steam innovative uh, age
3: Neo-Victorian
2: well that's it as it moves along the rest of society progresses so the more undesirable elements of the Victorian (laughs) era disappear (laughs) (laughs) Um, shall we say but you still have that that stylistic look, though the corsets are now worn mm-hmm. on the outside. Um, the, oh, yeah. the skirts are worn <laughs> a little shorter. Um, <laughs> but the Ray guns are Tesla guns yep. firing electricity. You have steam cars, but you also have vehicles that use early forms of batteries and Leiden jars well, it's, it's, in it's, miniature. It's, yeah, it's, it's more,
1: more, jars, more of a, a, a valve and Society. Um, culture. The
2: aeroplane mm. obviously was never developed, but there are amazing but cruise all airships. line airships.
1: Mm-hmm. Ornithopters.
2: Ornithopters as well mm-hmm. as, the, as the other forms of uh, air travel that can... Speed you around the globe in a matter of Mm. days in abject luxury, and we have landed on the moon, courtesy mm -hmm. of the wonderful cannon that was created Mm. in America by our brethren, our cousins over there. There's always
3: the first. There's there's also the first men in the moon as well, where the ship's powered by cavorite. That's right. Yes, that's
2: true. And into this mix, you have the imagination of the modern person. And the difference, I would say, from the cyberpunk is that it's a lighter look on life. It's not a dystopian view of an alternative timeline. It's slightly sexy, it's much more <laughs> tongue-in-cheek, it's very jolly, and in some ways it's almost female-centric rather mm. than male-centric. And Giving some examples, it is sneaking into film. I mean, there's obviously classics like The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, mm-hmm. Steam Boy, mm-hmm. but even recently, The Three Musketeers. Yeah. You had the wonderful airships in that. And there was a scene where the female protagonist was going to steal the jewels. And instead of laser beams crisscrossing the corridor and using talcum powder... They were thin stretches of tight, (laughs) typed wire that would slash you to pieces and a ribbon. It's it's the same thing, but you're just thinking of a more mechanical way of doing Mm -hmm. it. Even in some of the recent Sherlock Holmes, Mm. there's elements of it sneaking in. And the classic TV version... Warehouse thirteen.
3: Yes. Mm. My argument for cyberpunk is I do believe a lot of what was postulated in Cyberpunk is already here. But admittedly sort of cyberpunk proposes a much more dystopian future. things like nanotechnology well as one BBC documentary put it, sort of cyberpunk is man's slow evolution into machine, which I do believe is starting to happen right now. Nanotechnology <laughs> Cybermen. <laughs> yes. No, that's Cybermen. Yes Cybermen, yes. They say body augmentation, things like that. The line between sort of humanity, you sort of human thought and and computer thought, I mean, that is starting to blur very quickly, that is, becoming very vague and very nebulous. It's like one thing that cyberpunk postulates is there are no such things as world governments. It's big, big, big business and mega corporations that run the world. We only have to look at Adam's bugbears or Microsoft. (laughs) Yeah, well, Apple nowadays, too. Well, that's very true. Well, so Google and all the other Mm -hmm. sort of Apple and all the other major corporations, they have their hand on the president or or even the prime minister's shoulder and they're whispering in their ear, influencing judgments or corporate policy and things like that. You only have to look at films... Well, I would say the grandfather of cyberpunk, William Gibson, and to a lesser extent, uh, Bruce Serling as well. Let's say, though, the godparents of uh, cyberpunk... Whereas virtual reality, I mean, that was the first postulated as cyberspace. That was mm-hmm. well, you could say the anti-hero of um, Neuromancer, a guy called Case. He was in what what modern parlance would be called a computer hacker. My argument for cyberpunk is it, it's here and it's happening right now where does cyberpunk finish and does science fiction generally begin is it more near future than something like it's star trek fu- um, it's more near future so as to say in the next sort 10-15 of years mm-hmm. with the way you know, sort of technology is progressing at this very moment with the way computer speeds and you know, sort of uh, computer chips are sort of speeding up and things like that really sort of uh, as i said previously nanotechnology things mm-hmm. are getting smaller mm-hmm. give it sort of 10-15 years and the prospects and the concepts of virtual reality may have sort of gone, yeah, you know, sort of gone on the back burner. But give it another sort of ten years or so, it will just explode in people's faces. Everything will be virtual, whereas steampunk is more set in the past. Steam- steampunk punk- is more romanticised L- yes. for the future, and
2: steampunk can be now, but it's an alternative mm. view of now. Yeah,
3: okay.
2: I like elements of cyberpunk, but I find it. Well, not only is it bleak, I find it's often used a lot more in um, computer games than anything Mm, else. But it is too close to reality. So (laughs) it's more like true science fiction used to be, or is now called Mm -hmm. speculative fiction. Mm -hmm. Which I enjoy, but it's how do you keep up with it, and it's always moving ahead. And, And yes, as you say, quite often it is quite bleak. Where with the steampunk, it's not quite so bleak. It's unlikely to happen unless we have a dystopian universe and have to go back to using Steam. There's a lot more freedom in it. You can create things and that because they're not likely to happen. It also has the ability to take what is happening and give it a twist, a bit like Doctor Who does mm-hmm. sometimes. It mm-hmm. takes a story and gives it a twist. But because it doesn't look enough like reality now, you don't always see where that twist is coming from, whereas cyberpunk, it can look a little bit, too much like reality and to give an example for our listeners in terms of doctor who cybermen are very much cyberpunk Mm,
3: very much so yes Mm -hmm.
2: the robots in the girl in the fireplace are very much steampunk Steampunk
3: clockwork exactly they're the wind up
2: clockwork Although the Cybermen are based on the original steampunk robot, (laughs) as in Maria from Metropolis, Mm -hmm. so their look is very steampunkish, but you look at the two different kinds of machineries and how they work, there was an elegance to the wind-up clockwork robots and a a gentleness to them, even though they could apparently chop your head off, that you don't get with the Cybermen that come across much more Mm -hmm. clunky and single-minded, and there isn't that romanticism to them. Mm
3: Mm-hmm. One argument I must put across in favour of cyberpunk, doubtless everyone in this room and sort of 99% of our, our listeners have uh, seen the um, the Matrix trilogy films. There I mean, was it a trilogy or there only one?
2: No, it's a trilogy. <laughs> no, that's
4: not a <laughs> trilogy.
3: <laughs> Those films dwell very much upon the case of what is reality. Mm-hmm. The only way we can sort of ascertain what is happening in the outside world is through our, you know, sort of our five senses. That's well, more than five, but OK. Well, if you count ESP, yeah. No, I and mean, things like balance and stuff like that, but anyway. It boils down to the question of, what is reality? Is it live, or is it real, or is it Memorex? I mean, that is very much the case with uh, virtual reality. Mm-hmm. One thing I must say in favour of uh, v- virtual reality is, mm-hmm. this is harking back to a, a documentary sort was of shown on BBC Two about, ooh, blimey, about 20-odd years ago. Wow. Two of the leading exponents of uh, vir- uh, virtual reality... One I do believe was a lyricist for The Grateful Dead. Okay. <laughs> who believed in sort of rather scrambled versions of reality. Yes, I'm sure, and, yeah. Mm, yes. <laughs> Another guy, I think he works for me, he works for JPL. He wouldn't look out of place at the, one of the aforementioned Grateful Dead uh, you know, concerts. <laughs> one thing i will say in favor is that after being immersed in virtual reality for any period of time it makes you appreciate the real world even more is i mean it real there if you believe well if you if you're one yeah. of those people who believes in the matrix you know, yeah. nothing is really real so mm-hmm. so is blade runner cyberpunk uh, very much so because it so deals with um going back to um mega corporations running yes. the world who's in uh blade runner it's tyrell the, yeah tyrell Tyrrell corporation yeah. Tyrrell. Tyrrell. yes Again that you know, deals with very much the concept of um aug- augmented people in the shape of the replicants. Mm-hmm subliminal messages implanted memories which mm. is same. Mm-hmm. and um k dick had a lot of stuff in there with total recall as well right? yeah. Mm, yeah. that's very much so I mean, yeah. it goes against all, you know, to implanted memories you know, aug- augmented people and um virtual reality you know, has expanded by uh, william gibson in in uh, neuromancer and uh, count zero was very much a way of handling computer systems you could literally immerse yourself in a computer system Become one with the computer, which I do believe is very funny, sort of Happening, sort of, well, will happen within the next next uh, five well, years. There's
2: already de- developments where you can control computers mm. with the brain. Well, that's point. it. Mm. All,
3: they use the phrase "jacking in." Yeah, could be worse. Believe <laughs> <laughs> it. Oh, which literally means having a three point five uh, sort of yeah, jack plug socket implanted in your skull. I suspect you know? That would never happen. It'd be wireless. Well, you never know.
2: Yeah. I mean, within. The TV film framework, there is uh, a lot of crossovers and blurring of the lines. Our dear favourites, the Daleks, were de- originally they started as a semi steampunk creation. They needed electricity mm. well, static electricity, static yes. electricity mm-hmm. to drive them. Mm-hmm. That then became a pain in the ass <laughs> for the point of view of <laughs> well, the production well, team. Really. Yeah, next and, <laughs> but now they've become much more, very obviously, mm-hmm. a cyberpunk creation.
3: Mm. Even in the very first episodes, the actual car of Mutant was actually a pilot. The Dalek was a tank, literally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: but there are there other films and that, that that incorporate both elements. From my point of view, one of the things I like about steampunk is, whilst in theory the cyberpunk person can immerse themselves in this you know, augmented reality, they can't physically. I can physically go out and ride in a steam car.
1: Mm -hmm. I can physically
2: go out dressed into my corsets to the to the nines (laughs) And believe me she
1: does
2: (laughs) and stand inside a Faraday cage with a Tesla coil (laughs) and also people make much more there's whole subgenres of steampunk music. There's a creative side of it in just not only the jewellery, but also in people making things. There's people that make steam-powered motorbikes and that Mm. kind of stuff. So whilst it's more unreal than cyberpunk... For the participants, mm. you can actually really participate in it mm. more than you can I for could cyberpunk. Say, I could
3: say the same for cyberpunk and virtual reality. One, one piece of uh, film footage I saw on YouTube was a demonstration of the latest touchscreen uh, tablets and mobile phones mm-hmm. where the screens are actually tactile, you know, sort of thin film coating on the screen, but the actual keys rise up. Out okay, of the screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the- at this moment in time, we only experience virtual reality through hearing and sight. Mm-hmm. But there again, let's say using sensor gloves. But I mean, the tra- tra- trouble that is, does- most people. When you quote
1: virtual reality, most people are thinking of things along the lines of the holodeck yeah. or of computer mm-hmm. graphics, yeah. which I'm talking, talking about, about something more yeah, immediate, which yeah. we we are not up to <coughs> as of yet.
2: And the other thing with a lot of that is. I couldn't do it. I can go and read a book to work out how to make a basic steam engine. Mm -hmm. And in my living room, I could make a basic steam engine to power something in my house, a clock or what have you. I could find out how to make a Leiden jar and make a Leiden Mm. jar. I could not sit in my living room and make that. Cyberpunk technology is almost like the whole idea of the cyberpunk thing, controlled by a Mm. minority For the majority. Whereas the steampunk is much more... The whole society can be involved with it. Anyone can sort of develop these Mm. and people have different skills. So so you're not always an impartial observer. You're actually a full-on participant and creator of the world in which you're living in, within that cyberpunk world, opposed to having someone else create the world for you to then go live in it.
3: My argument is... The line between what we perceive and what is perceived through virtual reality and other such things—that is becoming more and more blurred.
2: Mm. Mm. I think the other reason why I like the steampunk is it is a bit of fun, and it oh, isn't yeah, reality. Well so, yeah. <laughs> it isn't—it isn't this reality. I have touch screen technology. I can put my sound diffusing Bose headphones <laughs> on and immerse <laughs> myself into music and all the rest of it. Cyberpunk is not imagination. Cyberpunk isn't getting away from it. Cyberpunk mm. is what I live in every day, hmm. in a form. Mm. So it's not an alternative. It's not something new. It's reality. That, and is, that is my argument.
3: That but is, whereas yeah.
2: steampunk mm. is not reality. Mm. It's getting away from it. So and to an extent... You could say that cyberpunk is just the world we live in, so it's not a thing of its own making, it is Mm -hmm. just society as is, so it's Mm -hmm. not an an independent thing. Well, as is, or
3: or as will be. Yeah, Mm
2: -hmm. that's why I like Mm, cyberpunk, because it's a a getting away from it all.
3: Escapist entertainment, yes. By way of summing up, cyberpunk is both an exciting genre of science fiction and also a cautionary tale of what could happen when the division between man and machine becomes too blurred. In a way, cyberpunk is very much like its namesake, punk rock. Even though at the time I absolutely abhorred punk rock, it served a necessary purpose and given the music industry of the mid-1970s a much-needed kick up the backside. In this manner, cyberpunk is very much like that. The future may not be bright, it may be dirty, gritty and very, very virtual.
2: And out of curiosity, Mm -hmm. we did have a... Steampunk Virgin, go along to a steampunk oh. event this weekend. <laughs> so El Presidente, what did you think of the
0: steampunk convivial? Yeah, very good. Um, I only stayed there for a few hours. Didn't see very much. But uh, yeah, it seemed interesting. Um, Many stalls, what I could tell. and Build live music. But uh...
2: Yes, and I would say in defence of um, steampunk, mm-hmm. cyberpunk doesn't have tea dueling, doesn't have mechanical stuff, <laughs> <no, No>. and <laughs> certainly doesn't have... Ostrich racing when the jockeys are also the ostriches.
0: Right. <laughs> True, I've never heard of cyberpunk events like you have steampunk events, but uh, maybe
3: there are some mm, somewhere. There are cyberpunk fairs that do happen. So. There are oh, okay, mm, yeah. okay. the theme isn't sort of Victorian; it's very yeah. sort, of, sort of punk and sort of. You know, it's much goth. more what you mm. see
2: in the. It, it's the darker side of goth, and sometimes mm, it's yeah. the computer game imagery as well, isn't mm. it? Mm, very, very yes. much so,
3: yeah
2: mm. There you go listeners.
3: What do you think? Mm. Yes, mm. your opinions. Please send them to show at
2: Staggering I'm glad you had the last bit, because I can never remember what it is. (laughs) Right, we have... I'm going to give two of one and one of the other. So, one of the games is, what's the connection?
0: Mm Mm-hmm, okay.
2: If you can figure out the connection on the first clue, you get four points. Mm Mm-hmm. If you figure ah. it out on the th- second clue, you get three, and so on. If you need all four four clues, you get one point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay? So you just need to tell me what the connection is. And I can I, do a connection
0: um, with one item.
2: It will make sense that these four things... But you can never, never get four points, thing. can you? Yeah, if you get the fir- if you get the connection from the first one, you would get four points. So the first clue. It's a random
0: guess. You've not heard the other ones, right?
2: <laughs> no, that's it. That's what. You- well, you might hear the first one and go, ah, yes. So if the first one was Mount Kinimonjaro, and you figured, hang on a minute, that's the hill that you come up with the
0: f- connection. It does make sense, so... And can you have multiple goes if you miss one? Can, are you out? No.
2: What you, happens? You, well, in theory, we would say you were out, but okay. we, for this one, we won't. Okay, okay,
0: okay so, okay.
2: He's so picky, you, isn't he? He is. Yeah. <laughs> so, and these are not all dot to
3: mixture. Okay.
2: The revolving toilet.
3: Okay. Not sure that is.
2: The chocolate dispenser. Right. Talky Toaster.
0: Red Dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: And the connection is they are all shipboard computers. Ah, in Red ah. Dwarf.
0: Yeah, I suppose they all talk. Yes.
2: Ian, Stephen, Ben.
1: Are they all male Doctor Who companions of the first
0: Doctor? Components. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe a bit too obvious. <laughs> well, they're
2: actually the first four male ah, Doctor yes. mm-hmm. companions. Okay. Yep. <laughs> okay, and if you can see what the connection with this is, sixty-three,
0: sixty-six. The uh, range of the Doctors. The tenures of each doctor, whatever term (laughs)
3: you want to use it.
2: Yeah. So that's just the first three, just to give an idea. Mm -hmm. So I'm afraid, Adam, you wiped that one.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I did better than
1: last time, though. I've got one. (laughs) So
2: if you can think of four things... I've got a couple. ...that have a connection. Far away. Okay,
0: okay, okay. Coleman, spelled C-O-L-M-A-N. I. Coleman, I, no. Mm. Hospital. No I am. Com- I thought I had it And from- I'm confused You can guess yeah, No mm. And the fourth one then Is mini Coleman mm. I Hospital Mini Eleventh hour Yes Coleman being Olivia Coleman mm. Not Jenna yeah, Coleman The Eye uh, Hospital, uh, Hospital. Yes. Mm. Yeah, No yeah. E uh...
2: See I went for nice simple ones To give <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. a taste yeah. of it
3: yeah.
0: No he puts the boot in <laughs> Okay i have another one then Go on Oculus Rebus Mm. The well. Mm. No, I know it, but I can't think of it. The Kevin Bishop show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> would the
1: connection be? Oh, God, Karen Gillen? <laughs> it would be. Kevin Bishop yeah. show is where she started before the hot ah. Oculus is the uh, camera.
0: Uh, it's from- these all of- things she's been in. This yep. is uh, a film which is not out yet. Ah. She did fairly recently. Rebus was her first TV thing. Uh, The Well was a BBC Online thing she did.
3: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, speaking of Karen Gillan. No,
1: no, we yeah, but... no we yeah, yeah,
3: go on, Karen. No, um, more news on. um she's had a haircut. Was... You seen that? No, I haven't actually. I- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We've done the news bit. You can't say this. News is over. <laughs> no, it's just the thoughts that, that occurred to me. Um, no, Guardians of the Galaxy. Apparently, Rocky, oh, yes. Rocky Raccoon is going to be appearing in it.
0: Yeah. Oh, in mm. fact, yeah. Another news item we could have said is she's a character called Nebula. I think mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> she's not Angela,
0: but she's a baddie called Nebula. Mm, might wh- have a Rocket Raccoon. Yes. Might have moves. Skin or something like that. Ooh, but she's cut her hair to about shoulder length. Mm. And he's pulling a face. He doesn't like she, it. She sure looks good, of course, but... <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not as good, is it? Not the same.
2: Now, mm. listeners, so if you can come up with any Connect 4s, but remember to tell us what the connection <laughs> oh, yes. is. Please yeah. do not send them in. and let us squirm for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> that's too much
1: like the El Presidente. He laughs mm. at that. How are we going to do it? One of us have to read the uh, email. One of one us will have that. to be mm. the adjudicator, yeah. okay. so that's
2: probably be El Presidente okay. as soon as the emails come to you.
0: Okay,
1: okay. Rich. We have had oodles, oodles simply, oodles, oodles of letters come flooding in. Well, flooding? Trickling. <laughs> I've got one. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I have one here from Gordon Jones. Hello, Hello. Hello. Hello Gordon. 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 <laughs> Greetings to you wondrous podcasting professionals. <laughs> He sent it to the wrong podcast. I think he has, <laughs> actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, sparkling with wit, charm, known as Keith, Karen, Jean, Scott, Adam and Crumbly. He missed someone. Mm. He yeah. missed someone Ooh. who we've yes, missed. He, I, uh, nice. I, he has. He Ooh. has. Yes. Mm. Shall we on his behalf? Yeah. Well, he does actually go on to say a vericrous insult to the vampiric shadow deity inhabiting the demon skin of the Prumula cheese mould in the decapitated form of John Pertwee's scalp. But I think we do have to say,
2: (laughs) Hello,
5: Hello,
1: head head of of Pertwee! It's getting, I'll forget the rest yeah, of them. <laughs> got, it's too hot. It's yeah. been very hot. We're recording this in the middle of the heat wave. Yeah, no, if the you Tom want Baker's to naked.
2: See what they're not wearing? Yeah. Around. Oh it's God, disgusting.
1: <laughs> Even well, Idris is naked. Yeah, apart from naked Tom Baker. Yeah. Mm. I finally finished watching Indiana Jones and I really liked The Crystal Skull. Mm-hmm. That's twice now that Lucas has made a successful series harking back to a simpler time featuring magic, only to cap it off with films years later, making it more sci fi, which I loved and the rest of the world hates. Actually, I quite like Crystal Skull. I thought, oh, really? Okay. I, I, I quite liked it. I thought it was very good. It oh, took me a wrong. second
2: screening to do no, no, it. No, no, I did
1: like I it. I'm a bit it was
0: disappointed. It. it was okay. A bit disappointed with it.
1: Anyway. That obviously is a gross generalisation, but it's true enough to get me thinking. Mm -hmm. When I think of what I love about fandom, I think of Doctor Who, Being Human and Firefly. Mm -hmm. Serious fandom brought back and kept going in their darkest hour to varying degrees. The work of Lucas, of course, is noted as as very contrary to that. And I think ultimately what separates the two is that the work of Lucas is so mainstream that the entertainment shift from fans who are slogging away in the weirdness years to to the fair-weather friends who like it because it's popular and it was there. Mm. Going further with this, I think it's important to note that Doctor Who, Being Human and Firefly were known to be in jeopardy as they were airing, so the fans knew that if they wanted their show to survive, they had to mobilise. While the work of Lucas has always been so big successful, be it Star Wars, Indiana Jones, that the fans were judging it fairly where before they would have to have been defensive. Also, Mm. Indiana Jones and Star Wars are inherently stupid to a certain extent. (laughs) And yeah, I agree with that. And so if a chunk of time passes, significantly enough changes is made to cause you to lose your suspension of disbelief. It will cause a fair amount of whiplash as you realise the thing you love so much when seen through the prism of science or politics is just ridiculous. Mm. For myself, I think I experienced something of the opposite effect because I have slogged my way through three films... I already think are overhyped and stupid, find packed with rather dull by today action sequences. Finally the direction and the style of film is closer to what I'm used to. The plots seem to be more complex and less religious, and so I latch on for dear life because if nothing else, I do not want to be repugnant Pumula Hole <laughs> who has <laughs> sat down and watched the entirety of the Goram nice word series only to utter massacre it as a boring, stupid mess. And that's the mm. most frustrating thing about watching Lucas's films, because when I finally find a film I can like, fans will instead of taking up their favourites, disintegrate mine. When fans feel so entitled as to try to cull their own fandom, I find it to be a disturbing counterpoint to what I love about fandom. Hmm. Outside of this long rambling essay, I suppose I best tell you that what has been happening and the answer is not much pleasant. Cat is ill, my parents are sending each other mad, and I rest in limbo once again after sending myself mad, trying to write an essay on the representation in films in five days. <laughs> in the end, I did it in Star Wars Episode Four. Two good things are to note are, one, the game Rogue Legacy is the most addictive game ever, and he's left a, a link up in the show notes. Ooh, okay. The Oncoming Storm podcast is like Doctor Who Book Club podcast, but going through the Virgin New Adventures in order. It's inspiring Mm. me Mm. to get a move on with my own series and a perfectly accompaniment to Rogue Legacy and another Mm -hmm. link that we'll put up in show notes. Before I go on, I'd just like to say listening to this podcast is a great help in these difficult summer months because whenever I'm working, I feel as though I've dropped off the face of the world Mm. as all my friends are living off their own lives in different countries and I'm stuck in the primular tube of nowhere, but your podcast really Helps keep me feeling connected with the wider world beyond the Shire. Thank you, Gordon Jones. Okay.
4: Thank you. Yeah, Thank Gordon. you,
1: Gordon. Thank you. Um, as ever, you do bring up a few salient points mm. that I do actually agree with, but mm. um, there, there are certain. S- how can I put it? Not necessarily things that you shouldn't do, but there are certain sacred cows that people th- think you shouldn't throw stones at. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, there shouldn't be. But the interesting, I don't know. Yeah, I agree with that. I so. think
2: one of the interesting things is it's probably a lot to do with the TV and film stars. He said the, the, the recent one is more his style. Yeah. We love those because they were the films that we grew up with.
1: Yeah. yeah. But
2: how many of us watch... Old black and white movies Yeah, true,
1: true. Because yes. it's
2: a different theme style, film style, it's a different speed. And there are classics like mm. Casablanca, Casablanca and yeah. That, yeah. that we would sit and, yeah, I would happily watch Casablanca, but there are people that wouldn't because it's so much slower yeah. and different. And I think that's it as much as anything else. There's you've got one element if it was new to us, yeah. it isn't new to people now. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing of the opening of the first of the Indiana Jones with the mountain yeah. turning into logo that's, that's been done several times now. Oh, it'll but hit that was the first time One of the first times of was done. done. Yeah. So we yeah. went, oh, and people go, oh, bit of a little
0: it's like music, I suppose. So you like the music of your, your teenage years, yeah. and yeah. your parents have
1: different music. They have different films. And so, what you're trying to say is, we're all now old and crumbly.
2: And <laughs> yeah. old and will be old and crumbly one day, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think there was something else he touched on there, which I quite liked, which I have to comment on myself. Is he liked the podcast because it puts him in touch with yeah. people. Yeah. This weekend, as we're recording, several of you listening will have probably been glued to your oh, radios as yes. you were streaming. Or listening to live, or unlike some people who are sitting like five feet away from me, we don't it, talk actually to attended both of them. the Doctor
1: Who films. <laughs> Did you actually get on the camera? Did you get on screen? Either. No, no,
0: oh. I didn't no. Well, I, yeah, crowd shot. Because yeah. was in the arena. I'll be looking for you at Christmas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was one I waved my hat and I not sure of your show.
2: <laughs> one thing I loved about it, I missed the first half, unfortunately, but the second half, I'm sitting in my own living room on my sweet little toddy cell ah, with the cats. Poor Jean. And the radio and my phone on Twitter. And suddenly I am listening to the proms with... People from Mexico and people from America and people in the proms and they're tweeting (laughs) pictures and they're making comments and it was the weirdest feeling of listening on my own but being connected to all these other fans and friends I had around the world and people I didn't know but for that two hours... We were linked. We were one little community listening Mm -hmm. together. And I actually, for the first time, thought, "This is what Twitter's for." (laughs) (laughs) But I know that feeling of being isolated, but then having a connection through listening to something that that you you don't know the faces. You're all past as possible, apart from Masterman in the street. (laughs) But there is that that similar interest, that similar mindset, even if it's just for that hour.
0: Yes. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Well, people do it during the actual episode too, which I don't quite understand. No. I'd rather be watching the episode rather than yeah. tweeting. it. I'll do it. I'll,
2: I'll so do it for the sort of like the Doctor Who bar when you're watching them. Yeah, subsequently But when yeah. it's live, though, I yeah. want to immerse myself
0: for well, the live screen screen. Saying, what, what's what's the line from Mental?
1: We can't be together, so we'll always be. Apart,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do recommend the uh, the prom. It, you'll be able to find it. In the yeah, i i MP3 form. So I was listening to it. It's wonderful. Showing,
1: oh yeah, it was really good. Beautiful be music. Yeah, we yeah. shall perhaps look at this in the next podcast. Yes. Maybe. Yeah. Yes.
2: Sorry, Crumbly's falling asleep.
3: <laughs> <laughs> bravo We have one here from Naya. Hello, Hello, Naya! She says, hello, staggering storytellers. Hello, hello. (laughs) I'll try to have audio feedback when I've listened to the latest, but in the interest of getting this to you quickly, I figured mail was the better bet. (laughs) I'll use a list format in the hopes of keeping it short and sweet. Number one, huzzah, for making Scott a full member of the team. (laughs) (laughs) As the man, I enjoy your commentary but maybe you can turn his mic on next time, El Presidente. Oops. He was he was awfully hard to hear in 161, and in 162, I couldn't hear him at all. He's a quiet oh. lad,
2: you see. That's the problem. I will have to
3: turn him up a bit. Yeah, we'll he is very to. quiet. He
2: would have, have been here today, but he's gone off somewhere he's, he's, he's else. He's yeah. in
3: Manchester.
0: Manchester or somewhere. But Manchester. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's yes. up Manchester mm. way. Mm. Yes. Mm. Very likely to be here next time, though, I think. Yes, mm. yes,
2: because mm. yes. because fake Keith's having a break for, yes. for God's There's parenting lots, duties. Lots of meetings
3: and things coming up at the moment. Yes. Two, I... I'm apparently the only Doctor Who fan who liked Silver Nemesis and hated the Doctor's name. I can live with that. <laughs> <laughs> and the contentious one. Number mm. three. The Doctor Who and Race book wasn't written by a think tank in Australia looking for a quick buck. Here's how I ended up in it. The first time Martha left the show, I wrote a blog post called Mickey, Martha and the message that doesn't belong in Who, which yeah. is still up on both the Life on Martha community and my blog. Mm -hmm. Little did I know at the time This would be one of the first shots in the online war Dubbed MarthaGate MarthaGate, eh? To
2: look into that Hmm.
3: Big online arguments attract attention Especially big online arguments That rage across multiple communities Personal blogs and forums Martha Gate opened the way to discuss other forms of how race has been handled and continue to be handled in the show. Hmm. The editor of Doctor Who and Race thought that a subject that was causing this amount of heat and discussion deserved a book. When she put the idea online, asking for people to write for it, she linked to several blog posts that were the kind of things she wanted to solicit, including Mickey, Martha and the message that doesn't belong in Who... Which is why the editor reached out to me directly for permission to either reprint an essay that I'd whipped off as a random musing in about 20 minutes <laughs> and lumped in with a rice pudding recipe on my blog. <laughs> 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 or to write something from scratch, so I wrote a new version with less pudding and more Mel's and Rosita. I <laughs> like rice pudding. I think
1: pudding has a, has a place in, in these <laughs> discussions. Yes.
3: You can't get enough rice pudding. A decent
2: rice pudding is hard to get hold of.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Especially when it's got a nice big dog of jam in it. (gasps) Unlimited rice pudding. (laughs) (laughs) This book isn't written by academics for academics, none of whom watch the show. It's written by fans about something we care deeply and know plenty about. And I can guarantee you that not all the essays treat the issues academically because you can't pay me enough to ever use words like post-colonial. <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm being paid. 100% of the proceeds and the author payments are being split between two medical charities. Ah, mm. that's yeah, that's good. nice. Good. Yeah. By the time we read this on air, this book should be out. I know it's being sold by Amazon in the US, UK and Australia. Mm. And I believe that other booksellers can get it as well. Don't let the... <laughs> <laughs> make your mind up for you at least check out the book's website doctorwhoandrace.com mm. mm. we would do Nail. a link sure. pierce to fake Keith feels is how the kids write feelings these days ah. I don't know why either Okay.
2: everything down
3: uh, uh, I pass that message on. Feels. feels, feels, feels. Feelings. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Where
0: did that come from? What? A, a previous podcast. Oh, okay, uh, okay. Read your back catalogue. Oh, I have no memory. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we really should get goldfish to run. This. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's I just like now how actors feel when they're asked about the episodes they've been in.
2: <laughs> I'd be a lousy doctor. Do you, in the episode so was I in that? <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, I prefer the uh, Simpsons version of that when they had Xena. In episode four three two, so you are obviously riding a gold gilding, but in the next scene, you seem to be a brown folk. Magic. <laughs> yeah. Anything like that happens in the show that you can't explain? Magic. Magic.
0: Get away with that, Zina. Probably not so much on our podcast. Yeah. Mm, that, that put pace to that argument. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> we just play spoiler music, spoiler <laughs> music,
0: spoiler <laughs> music. <laughs> Right, talking of Naya, we have a bit of audio feedback from her, I believe.
2: Hello, Naya! Again.
0: Yeah. Yep.
5: Hello, staggering storytellers! A Hello. quick bit of audio feedback to go along with the email I sent you yesterday. Ironically, this audio has nothing to do with Doctor Who at all. <gasps> But instead, it's about American food. First of all, I laughed like a hyena at the whole Miracle Whip story in 161. Um, Although I do wonder if you're confusing Miracle Whip, the salad dressing, with marshmallow fluff, the whipped marshmallows in a can. Mm -hmm. Fluff. Mm, yeah, because <laughs> most of our stores Will have both Americans put marshmallow a whole bunch of places It doesn't belong Including <laughs> inside Peanut butter sandwiches no. uh, Between adults no. I'm not yeah. sure if we want to know On top of Whoopee sweet pie. potatoes <laughs> The other thing is Since you were confused About ho-ho's
4: <laughs> from
5: the hostess company ergo the name it has nothing to do with prostitution Aww. and <laughs> Evan helped me I love the things but they're not actually food like Twinkies they're actually a high fructose corn syrup mm. delivery system
4: yes. a
5: ho-ho is Find a this, yeah. chocolate sponge cake style food stuff wrapped around the same vanilla cream filling that's in the middle of a Twinkie and is then dunked in chocolate oh. Oh, <laughs> they're sake. really good but they're not oh, actually please. food someday, someday <laughs> I shall have to introduce you to actual American cuisine, have one it's good food we spent Big
2: 10 days there uh, anyway, <laughs> I just thought
5: I'd, I'd ask the question about marshmallow fluff and miracle whip and then explain the ho-hos and that's all that's there enough. is Tangos. Looking yeah. forward to listening to Podcast 163.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, I kind of, like, couldn't download it. So what were you doing with Miracle Whip? <laughs> no,
3: fake, fake Crumbly wanted some Miracle Whip. Yeah, brought um, back from the States. So
2: it sounds like mayonnaise. Well, it is like or mayonnaise. salad
3: cream. Well, we can do sort of uh, yeah. crisps in it and things like that.
2: Oh, so it's a bit like, yeah, like salad cream, mayonnaise, salad cream, along
3: those lines, yeah. Mm. No, fake Crumbly is an absolute martyr to it, so.
2: I have to say, a country <laughs> that has... Fluffy stuff you can put everywhere And sells ho-ho They really need to look at the name <laughs> I know, uh, yeah
3: <laughs> there's, a, there's an American foodstuff store up in Aldershot That fake you know, well, Takes me along to you know, sort of. Drags you along to mm, Well, I do the driving Because the, there's a very nice brewery shop next door to it so. uh. Fair enough,
2: I was just going to say At least beer legitimately mm. is mm. constituted as a foodstuff oh, yeah. <laughs>
3: Oh really? I yes, guess.
2: because of the yeast and other bits in mm-hmm. it. It is it's nutritionally comes within the realms of a foodstuff.
0: Only just but yes. <laughs> so, yeah, what so
2: about
0: orange juice or apple juice? Mm.
2: Oh, who needs that soft stuff?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have a nutritional value, too. I think that a,
2: suspect comes mm. as food.
3: Yes. Yeah. Some, even
2: orange does. So, invariably
3: water, water well, sort of, <laughs> Yeah, invariably. Sort of, um, by the time we sort of manage to make our way back to Southampton, the boot of the car is sort of sagging under the weight of numerous cases of A and W root beer. So, mm. okay. Do we have more feedback? Talking of booze, yeah, we have one here from Reese. Hello.
2: Hello. Nice. Don't
3: tell
6: me Hello Staggering <laughs> Stories team Well those of you who can make it this episode Now all say that, Ooh, that was You were fairly six... light on the ground last episode When it came to people talking into microphones You were also fairly light on the ground When it came to Australian listeners Providing feedback And no I'm not talking about Sandro Sorry, sorry I, I got busy I couldn't fit you into my schedule. Oh, don't look at me like that head of per- <laughs> We don't do the Superman and General Zod eyes at me. Please don't. Oh, phew, They're glowing. They are I'll glowing. The black lines <laughs> are glowing. Really Moving on and putting a bit of Doctor Who related stuff in here. It sounds like uh, some of you had a great time at the... Doctor Who Proms 2013. Yes, Not I did. in they Australia did. this time, because mm. if it was, it would be called a Symphonic Spectacular. Yes. But yes. I'd just like to say thank you to Tim Drury for putting up excellent pictures on Flickr and he did. marvellous yes. YouTube videos on to youtube even yes. though that second use of the words youtube was a bit redundant even but though the thank you for doing that not tim to. because yep. yeah. without them i wouldn't have been able to see what looked like an excellent show and i yeah, wouldn't have been able to see the gag about matt smith's hair <laughs> and i wouldn't yep. have been able to see the gag about the armed group of humans behind strax and Vastra. and i'd just yep. like to say mm-hmm. dan starkey and neve mcintosh have to be some of the coolest people i've seen one mm. being willing to wear such big yeah. you know prosthetics and heat. suits in Damn a hot english yeah. summer that's nothing yes. compared to what we get uh, no but in mm-hmm. the hot, hot air conditioner yeah. so presumably you don't have the, a of the day and also under all those lights Hats off mm-hmm. to them but yeah. also yeah. doing it in character too yes. well done yes. um but i'm not going to talk too much about the proms, other than to say song for 50 sounds interesting mm-hmm. and that i quite liked what i saw like the surprise appearance from the Doctor. But yeah, I, I can't say much about it, because I didn't see... I wasn't there. I didn't go to see it. So I'm going to talk about something else that I have okay. a lot to say about, Ooh. which is Man of Steel. Oh, oh yes. Now, is, Adam, so are you sure you didn't read my review before you recorded yours? Because you <laughs> and Gene basically said everything I have to say. Except be when, saying when I heard somebody else saying my yeah. thoughts and points of view, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. kind of yeah. heard what arguments could be used to counter them or rebut them. Okay, go on, so, here yeah, my different. rebuttals to some of my own thoughts okay, um, yeah. and some of Adam's. <laughs> I would agree that this film, although he didn't use these words, suffers from Incredible Hulk-itis. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's a really, really good film up until the end when it becomes CGI thing punching CGI thing. Although, thinking about it, that doesn't start when General Zod's forces land and threaten people and blow some buildings up. That, for me, happens when General Zod starts fighting Superman after the terraforming device has been destroyed because Mm. there's no tension there. As Adam said, these are these two CGI things that are punching each other, but the blows they're landing have no seeable effect on the other one other than to throw them 100 feet across the sky. Doesn't do much to them at all. But there was tension. The world was in danger when the terraforming device was around. So I could put up with that. It was Transformers-esque. It was over-the-top action for no real need of it, other than it looked good in 3D, I'm sure. But I could put up with it because there was story. There was meaning to it. This was just fighting and fighting and fighting. And, hey, look, these two guys can survive in lower Earth atmosphere. Why don't we fly up to a satellite with Wayne Industries written on it and then kick it down into (laughs) Metropolis and cause a bit more damage? You know, that that felt like violence for violence sake and hey we can do it so we're gonna do it so that kind of annoyed me but other than that I still love the film I could see the reason for most of the uh, destruction that I've already mentioned where there was a reason for it one there was a reason for it but two from what I've seen Zack Snyder likes his interesting visuals compelling visuals and there are two instances of that one which works really well and two which kind of jarred with me but I'll just basically tell you what they are now the first one I thought was actually clever way to get to it and it's along the line of 300 a kind of unnatural or supernatural mythical image by the end of the scene but basically it's the scene inside superman's head where zod says krypton 2 will have to be built on the ruins or the bones of something and Mm -hmm. superman starts sinking into that pit of skulls with a broken swing set next to him and a broken barn and a burnt field that used to have corn in it and the big sun is closer and bigger, and the sky is orange behind him, and it's all very dramatic. But it tells you a kind of a strange, eerie thing is going on, and it tells you that straight away, and you don't need much of an explanation. And it, again, it's kind of like 300 from what I've saw, I saw mm. a kind of mythological. Thing you'd get from Sparta, I guess, or ancient Greece is what I'm mm. getting at. The other one, which I could see what it was trying to do, it just didn't work for me, was what I call the two lost warriors shot. When Zod is kneeling in the ruins of the Genesis chamber, which crash landed in the ruins of Metropolis. And he's got the ashes of the Genesis Chamber running through his fingers. And then Superman's standing opposite him in what is basically an arena left in the ruins of uh, Metropolis. And it looks like two lost warriors. Mm -hmm. Basically, one of them is lost because his sole purpose for living, to quote him, has been destroyed. Mm -hmm. The other one's lost because he didn't really want to have to do that. But he did. And it's like... Two lost warriors fighting at the end of all this carnage, or still no, still standing at the end of all this carnage. And if they'd taken a snapshot of that and put it up as a poster, that could have been some clever marketing, and it was a compelling visual. But to get there, you had to have all this destruction, which again jarred with me. But hmm. that's just kind of some niggles I had. Now to move on to the more positive stuff. Henry Cavill was. Excellent. Yeah. Um, I'm glad for his sake that he's finally got a break in Hollywood. Tried out for Superman before. Didn't get it. Mm. Tried out for James Bond. Didn't get it. I think he tried out for something else. Didn't get it. Was it Spider-Man? I don't know. But I think he makes an excellent Superman. Actually, I was going to say, very close to Christopher Reeve, but then I realized, I remembered that there's that bit when he's standing under the terraforming device and they CGI... For the sake of it, Christopher Reeve's face over Henry Cavill's, and then back to his, and he flies up and destroys the machine. That was needless. There's no need for it, but it was also very excellent and got we nerdy types going. (laughs) Wow! So it worked. I thought he was fantastic. I thought Amy Adams showed us why she auditioned for what I think is normally a bit of a bimbo three times (laughs) by giving us an excellent, excellent version of Lois Lane. And yes, she wasn't very bad on the eye at all. Again, four (laughs) nines. It's very predictable for me, isn't it? Attractive (laughs) woman in a movie, I'm bound to say something about it. Um, (laughs) Moving on. But... More than her being attractive, like I said, I think she brought an excellent version of Lois Lane to us. But also, again, it's more than just the writing, which is an excellent version of her, in that she has the secret of Superman and she has to keep it too. It's not that she doesn't notice him. She has to keep the secret, but it's also the way she played it. But the writing obviously played into the way she performed it excellently by being well-written. And I did love that last line. Could have been so... cheesy but the way it was played (laughs) and the way it fitted in welcome to To the the planet planet. again it works it could have been really cheesy but it worked Uh, i thought uh, diane lane and kevin costner were really good when i heard diane lane was going to be in it i didn't know what to think but it was a nice understated caring mother performance Mm -hmm. and kevin costner made me cry some people are going to say (laughs) yeah "Yeah, it's because he's such a bad actor (laughs) (laughs) really good and the scene is basically his death scene but The look on his face when he told Clark not to give away his secret and not to save him. And Mm -hmm. it was like this strength in that he's stern and forceful and standing by his point, don't do it. But then he's heartbroken because he's basically letting his family see him sacrifice himself. And I thought, beautiful performance and very well done. And then we have Russell Crowe, who I'm a fan of in most of his films. And in this, he was just outstanding I thought Mm. I use that word a lot but I do really mean it he was really good he had the way I'm going to compare his performance to everyone else was like a stage actor with a very good stage presence he had a very good screen presence which was a confidence and a, a relaxed essence to him right, mind you dead. i suppose it's fairly easy to be relaxed yeah. when you're a hologram exactly. and all these people aren't <laughs> laser that was just his and, you know, weapons. Ew. can't do Ew. much to you because when they <laughs> shoot you it'll go right through you but still it's like he remained calm and he was the master at what was happening he was just calm and relaxed <laughs> and something that sandro said actually i mentioned him before but something he said to me is that not only is the beginning of this film very much like star wars and what we hope Star Wars Episode 7 might be like (laughs) he was also very Obi-Wan Kenobi-ish and we think that he should play the ghost version of Obi-Wan Kenobi if they're bringing him back the force ghost version of him and I wouldn't mind that at all I think he'd be really good but never mind that's a tangent but yes Russell Crowe very good in this film but someone who almost stole the show for me would be Michael Shannon as General Zod in both acting and character his story was well written except for when the character was kind of adjusted to fit the plot when he adapted to Earth's atmosphere and got those powers pretty quickly, or you know had those superhuman abilities really quickly just because the plot needed it, but other than that I thought it was no giant character leaps and it was really well written, he went from doing what he governed as best to keep his planet safe in the beginning and by stopping the High Jedi Council of Krypton, I mean the High <laughs> Council of Krypton or whatever yes. it was, and by killing a few of them, uh, by stopping jor because he'd committed heresy, mm. as he said, heresy, by uh, having a natural-born child and that made sense and then hunting Cal and, you know, all these various things. And then his final descent into total and utter batshit craziness. (laughs) It it just made total sense. After Superman had wiped out what was left of Krypton and the Genesis Chamber and all hope of reviving the race, it just made sense what he'd do. It was really well-written and superbly executed and acted, I thought. And to tie in with him going crazy and to try and wrap this up I'm going to talk about Hans Zimmer's music quickly specifically the scene where Zod went mad you'll probably hear a clip of it underneath what I'm saying but the scene where he's Mm -hmm. flown Superman into one of the skyscrapers and tries to use the laser eyesight or the heat eyesight or whatever it Mm -hmm. is that Kryptonians have and he it doesn't work and it doesn't drive him insane he just feels a lot of pain and he's just screaming and waving his head everywhere thus causing the beams of power coming from his eyes to tear the place apart the music for that was just creepy not only creepy but it was like the jaws music after the build-up where you think oh boy something's gonna happen and i can't help it and i can't look away either (laughs) i thought it was really well done and just unsettling and just to wrap this up really quickly yeah i've had a lot to say i think that what i love about the score for this while it isn't john williams incredible score for the other superman movies Mm -hmm. i think it's good that it isn't because this isn't the sort of film that calls for a John Williams score. It's not the sort of film that calls for. Whilst it's incredible the dum, da 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 yeah. yeah. it just it doesn't call for it. it. Hans Zimmer's music worked, and I think what really works is his ability and willingness to try new things. For example, ever since Dark Knight and Inception, he's always tried to do something new with things like for the Joker's theme in Batman, he played the same, or he got the celloist to play the same string, the same note and the same string repeatedly until it felt like something was going to break. It sounded like something was going to break and it was really actually unpleasant to listen to, but the Joker is an unpleasant character and it represented that really well. Mm -hmm. For Inception, he gathered the biggest brass section in cinematic scoring history to date, I think at the right. time,
4: mm-hmm.
6: uh, that might have been um, superseded by now. Um, not for Pirates of the Caribbean four, he bought in two Spanish guitarists to give a Spanish sort of feel to things because Penelope Cruz was in it and her character was a kind of a. It, it was gave it a tango kind of feel to the, the music tango. and her character was kind of mm-hmm. a played for you know when you know, you've been tango? sexy flirtatious <laughs> scenes with. Uh, Captain Jack Sparrow and the music kind of reflected that and for this he got um, six steel steel string guitarists and eleven drummers eleven of his favourite drummers as well as the orchestra he normally has and it comes up with a really really cool sound and a really cool effect and you can hear the drums it's very blatant but um, just at the end just after um, Lois has said welcome to the planet to uh, Clark and he said it's a great honor to be here or something like that it then flashes up the title card of Man of Steel and just before that you hear the steel string guitars or the the whatever guitars they were they were a really special kind of guitar and there were six of them and they're very rare and you hear them in action and here is the briefest clip or snippet of two notes of these guitar thingies but just to show what they sound like and to cut short what I'm waffling on about and show you why I like them. You might not care, but what the hell. And I think they just sound really cool, really effective. So I've reached the end of my feedback, which I've had to drastically edit down. (laughs) Some of you are probably saying, finally. But hey, I had a lot to say. Anyway... I hope to speak to you next time, if I can keep a slot in my busy schedule to record feedback for you again. Okay. Or even write it. But anyway, speak or communicate with you next time. See ya. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you.
0: Yeah. yeah, I do wonder about some of these modern soundtracks. Although they, they sound great, they're in a way quite forgettable. Like, I'm trying to do mm. the intro and outro to things like The Dark Knight or to yeah. Man of Steel. To actually get a bit of music which... Everybody recognizes being from that film. is very yeah. difficult. Yeah. It's not very iconic or whatever nowadays. The Superman theme you'd recognize anywhere in Janet Jones, or that, so all that stuff. But the Man of Steel, would the average person recognize uh, the theme tune? I didn't really remember I, it. I, I don't think the soundtrack. You know,
1: so I don't think it's a case of um, it's not generally recognizable because we get so many big blockbusters yeah. these days. They all sort of. Sound quite similar. It's a event when when we had Superman. And Star Wars, yep. they were event films. Mm. It was a big build-up to that film. There were, there were perhaps one or two during the summer. Mm. These days, you're getting about four or five. Having said that, listening to some of Hans Zimmer's work, I absolutely love Pirates of the Caribbean. I love the Sherlock Holmeses, which is his mm. work as well. They're, they're those, di- those are quite They're very different and distinctive.
0: Yeah, but
3: a lot of the Hollywood films nowadays aren't oh, that yeah, distinctive, the yeah. theme tunes. I will agree with that.
1: Uh,
0: anyway...
3: I think that's it for feedback. Mm -hmm. And so, dear listeners, that brings us to the end of another Staggering Stories podcast. Ah. But never fear. In the next one, there'll be more of the same. More. (laughs) Leave it. (laughs) More fun, frivolity, and jollity. More news and reviews. More old and new. So until that... Phantasmagorical fountain of funk funk. funk. <laughs> it's definitely a hot funk. Yeah, it's yeah. A hot funk.
2: <laughs> yeah. We don't have aircon in this country, people.
3: Well bedroom does. Our offices don't. <laughs> yes. Comes fenestrating down upon us. This is me crumbly saying be seeing you. <laughs> Goodbye. Au revoir. <laughs> bye bye. You
2: have been listening to the Staggering Stories Podcast Series 1, Number 163, featuring Adam J. Purcell, Andy Simpkins, Gene Ridler, and Keith Dunn. The views expressed here are those of the speaker and don't necessarily represent those of the other speakers or the site. No copyright infringement is intended. And this is an El Presidente production for www.staggeringstories.net.
0: What's her name, Pippa? Uh, Skank Ranger. Skank Ranger.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) No, Kate.
3: Kate, Kate, that's it. Catherine. (laughs) Catherine. Now she's royal. It's Catherine. Mm -hmm.
1: Are we not going to end up in the tower for this?
2: So, so am i allowed to shout every now and then you're not coming near me again <laughs> yeah. you yeah.
4: bastard uh, yeah, yeah, that's it that's it and
1: if i remember rightly i was screaming in pure agony she had hold of my hand mm. <laughs> and grinding yeah. the bones together yeah it's
3: all worse the effect
1: you
2: put it there in the first place <laughs> it's all your bloody fault
4: yeah <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah than that effect that'll do yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> you sound like gizmo
0: The duration of the Doctor 50 anniversary. <laughs> the, dura- the duration of the. This is t- why we don't let you go first. <laughs> I know, I know, I'm <laughs>
3: I wrote it and I still speaking. <laughs> Oh, Adam, I know you yeah. have to see Pacific Rim. Uh, uh some point, yep. Yes, apparently, uh, you know, Byrne Gorman's in it. Oh,
1: OK. He's mm-hmm. doing quite well over there now. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. he, he was, was in the, in the Batman film. He was in the third oh. Batman film,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm debating on Pacific Rim. It looks like Transformers it's movies. Yeah, has.
3: Transformers
2: versus Godzilla. No, I don't like Transformers movies, but, yeah. Oh, yeah. Versus
1: Godzilla?
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's a slugfest for two hours. Oh yeah, I've mm-hmm. heard it's quite good by is, yeah. a few people. Slugfest
1: standards. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> I give it a look. That's a summing. I mean, two moments to watch out for, without giving too much away. There's a scene involving a Newton's cradle. Oh, okay, yeah, and um, a handshake that goes slightly awry. <laughs> okay, and I won't say any more about that. Yeah, yeah. Sort of two scenes that made me laugh out loud. Yeah.
2: When I was running back in in the final leg of my ostrich race, <laughs>
1: all upholstered.
2: We're, well, I was upholstered. So Rasputin was coming first. Rasputin. Bouncing <laughs> boob was coming in second. <laughs> Guess who's bouncing boobs was?
3: <laughs> so I just had visions of this mad monk wearing a pair of you know, Bernie Winters. You know, his so ostrich <laughs> legs.
2: And... Yeah, that's pretty much. All right. What
1: Pong, over the game of Pong
2: Boing,
3: boing, boing Boing, boing boing, boing. boing.
2: Boing. Boing. We want to do like um, Nurse Chapel You need to get us to read the outro And then just say one (laughs) to, <laughs> yeah. And that way you can cut the numbers I together. I think I said doing that
0: originally because I used did them for ages, but then I thought actually by the time the editing getting it all together is actually it takes less just, time to say it again.
2: Didn't I just get to read out loads and yep. loads of words to come together?
1: what's <coughs> well said. Sorry. Shut up and die quietly. <laughs>